0: we good now? Okay. All right. When I heard Hannah speaking, I could sense there was some emotionality in her voice. Could you guys sense that? That was an impactful relationship that she developed in serving. And this is attributed to our generosity collectively. That moment of heart change could not have happened without your generosity. So thank you guys for being generous. Give yourself a round of applause. Uh, my name is Dwayne. I get to be the youth pastor here. I'm, I'm also representing the Shepherds team with Tamara and uh, Sean here. And today is Pastoral Appreciation Day. And we love our pastors, and we want to make sure that they know we love them. And the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And um, our pastors definitely deserve some honor. And so, um, just real quickly... Um, Pastor Paula, uh, you and Aaron both have sat with me and Jasmine through some hard times in our life. And we love you and appreciate you and think the most about you guys. Your faithfulness to God has been truly inspiring for us. And when I think of you, Pastor Paula, I think of James 3.17. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere and for anybody who has had the privilege to sit in the room with pastor Paula you feel this you feel what I'm saying there's wisdom there's a a strength there that I'm just so blessed by and pastor Aaron Uh, Whether it's in my life or so many of our lives, I see so much just how God has used you with your open heart towards people to reach them in the right time with the right word. Whether you're communicating from the stage or you're going around greeting everybody day in and day out, week in and week out, that type of faithfulness is hard to find. And I'm just thankful for you.
1: Pastor Paula, you have such a gentle, calming spirit about you, yet at the same time, you very delicately and wisely manage the fire and passion that you have to see others become their best selves, the people they were created by Jesus to be. And Pastor Aaron, I so appreciate the way you bring the word. You bring it with humor in a way that opens us us up to receive the truth. Uh, So thank you so much. For very wisely bringing in the Spirit and the Word of Truth to us.
2: Uh, good morning, um, Pastor Paula. Uh, a word that comes to me when I think of, about you in relationship is uh, is this word awareness. Um, you carry such an awareness. Of when you walk around or the times that I get to be next to you seeing you, your awareness of people and individuals is such a gift Um, even better is the awareness you carry of the Holy Spirit and I think that speaks so loudly Um, lastly about that word is awareness is not something that was given, it's actually something that you go after Um, it's something that you pursue so it just shows that I should just say thank you for pursuing the Holy Spirit and carrying that awareness, Pastor Aaron. My word for you uh, is uh, my word for you is posture, um, and it's not the posture that I, we get to all experience here on stage, but it's the posture you carry outside of this building when you're not on stage. I've had the privilege of being next to you, uh, and the the, the the memory that comes back to me is being in a situation with you, and it was not a good situation. And in fact, honestly, I thought you were done wrong. And I was next to you in your living room, and I thought that you could have taken any posture and any right to defend yourself because what was wrong was wrong. And if you would have taken that direction, I mean, I would have been the first in line to like follow you. However, your posture in that situation was more about God and his kingdom than your defense and your right to defend yourself. And that moment has left an impression upon me as a man, and it's resembled our father. So thank you for that. Both of you, on behalf of the shepherds and this church, thank you guys both for loving God, following him, and, uh, and sharing that with us guys come up yeah yeah would you guys like to come up give him a hand please (laughs) oh we have a gift for you guys it's a small token of appreciation for you guys and then we would like to pray over our pastors you guys okay with that okay Cove, if you guys would just agree with me as I pray on behalf of all of us for our amazing pastors. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us the ability to speak and believe upon others. Thank you for raising our pastors to show us examples of what it is to follow you. I thank you, Father God, that you give them wisdom that you provide resources, that you cover every area of their life. I thank you, Father God, that you give them sensitivity to your spirit as they help lead the charge, Father God. Teach us as a church to partner with them better, to love them better, to support them better, to unite with them better, Father God. But I thank you that you have equipped them with every gift. You are not holding back anything, God. You are not holding back anything. And I thank you for being that type of God. Father, increase them. Increase them. And renew and refresh their thinking as it relates to your kingdom. Father, we commit to you. We commit to you, Father. We know that you are God with us. And thank you, God, for being the majority. In Jesus' name, and all of Coast Church says, amen. Give them a hand. Yes, thank
1: you. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor Dwayne, and Sean, and Tamara, and Shepherds, and Church. Um, That means a great deal to us. And um, your notes of kindness, Um, just so you know, I I read every one, and sometimes I go back and I read them again (laughs) later later times throughout the year, um, because it's so life-giving. So thank you for the way you give life back to us. The hope is always that we could give life to you. And, um, you know, the truth is we, Paul and I, we occupy just a particular spot in this family, just a particular role in this family. Um, and and there's so much that happens here that that is done by others outside of us And I, I I think if we could add to all of this appreciation I would love to add appreciation for the rest of the pastoral staff and for the rest of the church staff here at Cove Could we add to our appreciation <laughs> them? Um yeah. them? They are they are dear and amazing people um, so it, it's just amazing to me to be a, a part of a family that that loves so well. And um, really, that's that's part of of what the series that we're in is all about, trying to give you a sense of the kind of family you, you managed to, to walk into here at Cove Church, because um, that's what vision is all about, because sometimes you you don't know what you're getting into when you show up at a church, especially if you're new to a church. It's like, well, what you know? What do they Do they worship rocks? You know, they they handle snakes. I mean, I don't know what's happening there. And so we wanted to give you, at least in this series, a sense of vision for where God is taking us, but also a sense of who God wants us to be when we get there. So the first three parts of this series are going to be all about vision. And then after that, it's going to continue with this compass series with our values as a church. And so hopefully you'll get a good sense of who we are. Um, Because we want that to be plain to you We want you to know the kind of train that you've gotten on Because if you get on the wrong train, you're like, I didn't want to go here And so we want you to know where you're headed In fact, uh, the scripture that is for this series speaks to that very thing It's out of the book of Habakkuk Let's start by reading this scripture all together Big voices, go, write a vision and make it plain upon a tablet So that a runner can read it There is still a vision for the appointed time It testifies to the end, it does not deceive, if it delays, wait for it, for it is surely coming, it will not be late. And so that's what we've been doing. So far, we have talked about first uh, being a a church that is scripturally aligned, that's what we did uh, two weeks ago, and then second, we talked about being a church that is culturally aware, and now today, we're going to talk about a church that is spiritually empowered, we want to be a church that is spiritually empowered and why that's so important is this it would be a real shame for us to walk away from doing what we do as a family together and the only idea we have is wow that was that was some giftings being expressed wow there's some good singing there some good, some good you know musicianship there, some nice lighting there's some, some, some stories told and, and all that kind of stuff and it would just be about man's power and that would be to miss the point entirely I recognize even on a day with with so much really probably undeserved acclamation or or appreciation pointed at us, I I know this to be true, that no amount of what I do matters without Jesus, that the only stuff that matters in this place is the things that only Jesus can do. Those are the things that matter for eternity. And so as a church, we are going to posture ourselves in such a way that is to say, we're not interested in just being a man-powered church. We, we've got enough of that in the world. We are here to understand that the only thing that makes a difference is you, Jesus. We're going to be a Jesus-powered church, spiritually empowered church. That's what we want to be. And so that really is the goal of our, of our time together, to be um, spiritually empowered. I want to talk about how important that is. When Jesus talked about being spiritually empowered, one of the images he used is of a vine and branches, that, that he says I'm the vine you're the branches to that vine. Okay, you're connected to me and that that becomes the source of Our life and that that is so important for us because without that source We can get into all kinds of trouble. Can't we without that connection to the vine of Christ? We can get into all kinds of trouble. We can be we can be vulnerable in very specific ways. Here's what I mean by that um in our backyard at our new, very old house. It's a 1912 house, but it's new to us. In our backyard, there's two grapevines. Okay? So when we bought the house, it, everything was in harvest time. So there's actual grapes hanging on the fence of our backyard. Two grapevines. One of them goes across this fence. One of them goes up to this fence and goes actually into these lilac trees that are in our backyard. So the grapevines are all intertwined in the lilac trees. And so I, at first I'm very excited. Hey, there's grapes. They taste really good. This is amazing. The land flowing with milk and honey. This is terrific. And, um, but, but then people tell us, you know, dogs are like grapes are poisonous to dogs. I'm like, I didn't know that. I had no idea. And I'm looking at my dog. Well, okay, I guess I should do something about that. So, um, so it's like we've got to get rid of the grapes, at least in the access points that he has to them. I'll find a way to, to, to keep them. And so I I start to tear away all these grapevines on the back fence, and I'm tearing them away. I get to the ones that are in the lilac tree. And I'm pulling on these grapevines in the lilac tree, and I can't always tell the difference between the, the lilac and the grapes because they're the same color, but I can find them and when I find them I pull and I can't pull them out because grapes have all these little tendrils that, that grape vines have. And they're wrapped around all the vines in there. And I'm pulling it, I'm pulling as hard as I can. I cannot get these grapevines out of this lilac tree. And then I have an idea. I go down to the stump, the place that this grape starts. It goes to a Y, and I just cut it off right there. I just cut it off, and I walk away. For two weeks, I waited. Two weeks, I came back, and I could look up into that lilac tree, and I could see every grapevine, because it had all turned brown. And every time I pulled on one of those grapevines, it pulled out so easy, just whoosh, right out of the tree, whoosh, right out of the tree. In five minutes, all of those things that were hanging on were down and on the ground and thrown into the pile, To be discarded, it was just that easy, because it was disconnected from the vine. And and I say that because that at times can be a picture of our life with Jesus. That because we're disconnected from the vine, it's so easy for the enemy to just come and pull us and manipulate us and throw us to the ground and take us out. He can see us so easy, because 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 it's just obvious we're not connected. We're like turned brown. And I even noticed when that was happening is I'm pulling this stuff out and it's coming out so easy because it's not connected to the vine. I'm even noticing grapes still on the vine. But I knew those weren't new grapes. I knew those were grapes of a time before when it was connected to the vine. It still bore some of that fruit, but it didn't bear any new fruit. And I looked at that and I went, oh, that can so often be my life. That because I'm not connected to the vine of Christ, I might even be doing church things, and I might be in the right places, and I kind of look like a grapevine, but I'm so easy to manipulate from the enemy. It's so easy to, to, to find me and, and pull me out of there because I look just different enough because I'm not abiding in Christ. And Jesus is, is inviting us to this abiding relationship, this, this, this life in the vine, where the enemy isn't able to pull us down so easily, and some of you may feel like that—like you felt like there was a time in your life that I was close to Jesus, but now I'm not—and it's like the enemy can just totally pull you out and pull you down. And Jesus is going, "I have something better for you. I have something more for you." And and, and we get to experience that. So that's what I want to talk about today: what it, what it looks like to be a spiritually empowered community—a community that actually abides in the vine. And here's the first thing I point out. A spiritually empowered community bears the fruit of hardship. Bears the fruit of hardship. John 15, where we're going to be, starting verse 1 and 2. Let's read it together. Big voices, go. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. All right. So this week I went to the doctor I went to the doctor because my hand my right hand mostly has been going numb like that feeling when it when you fall asleep Um, It's that feeling but it's all the time day and night all the time Sometimes it gets so bad. It's really really painful and so I went to my doctor um, and I, mostly because my mom was getting worried about me. She's like, Aaron, you got to go to the doctor. She was super worried. This could have nothing to do with your heart or your circulation, something, something. She was super worried. Paula wasn't worried so much. I'm not why. Might be life insurance. I'm not sure what she was leaning on. But mom was worried. So I said, okay, mom, I'll go to the doctor. So I go to my doctor. I tell the doctor the story of my summer. I said, My story, my summer started out, I was in Alabama back in the middle of the summer. And while I was in Alabama, we went to one of those top golf places. And so on my first swing of top golf, I felt something go in my elbow. Something hurt. All of a sudden, it really, really hurt. But it's top golf, right? You've got to play through. So I played 20 more strokes, right? Because i got to keep playing. So I did that whole time, all the time, my elbows hurting. So I knew something had gone wrong right there. I'm going to the gym, I'm having to change exercises, all that kind of stuff. So that goes on until we we buy this house, and we purchase this house, and there's a bunch of remodeling to do, and so a bunch of demos. So I'm tearing stuff out, and a lot of hammering, a lot of repetitive motion, all that kind of stuff, and eventually my hand starts to go numb. And I'm like, okay, this is somehow connected. And the doctor looks at me and says, Aaron, this is so, so simple. This is really easy. You've told me the story. I totally get it. Here's what you have. You have golfer's elbow. I said, I don't even like golf. I don't play golf. Couldn't even be like fly fisherman's elbow or something like that, Weightlifter's elbow. I don't do this. He's like, you got golfer's elbow. I'm like, really, it's not my heart. No, it's not your heart. No big deal. I can tell my mom that. Yes, you can tell your mom what about Paula. She doesn't care. It doesn't matter, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. He said, you got golfer's elbow, he gives me exercises. And now I do these exercises. All these golfer's elbow exercises, all of them hurt. It's this one, that one hurts, this one hurts. It all hurts when I do it. Every one of them hurts. But I know that if I do these, I'm going to get better. It hurts, but I will walk through it because I know if I do this, I will experience something better. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That's what pruning is all about. It is enduring hardship to experience something better. The image here is of a plant being cut off, right? Using pruning chairs. Some of you are gardeners. You've done this before. You trim the branches over and over and over. I've done it. Many of you have. And I know this to be true. I know that plants don't have vocal cords. But if plants did have vocal cords, when we prune them, I believe they would scream just a little bit, eh! right? A little primrose, just a little high-pitched scream, you know, when you, when you ah, you know, just a little high pitch. you know, the oak would have a really low scream, oh, you know, but when you prune them, I think they would scream. And I think if they could, those, those plants, if they could, they would pull their little branches in. As we're going to prune them, they'd they pull them in, be like, no, you can't cut that one. No, no, I, I bore two fruits on that last year. That's one of my favorite branches. Don't cut that one. I believe if they could, they would do that. Why? Because that's what we do. (laughs) That's what I do when God starts to prune. God, you can't do that. Uh, Don't don't take that away. Like, Like, God, if you take that out of my life, what will I have left? And the simple answer from Jesus is, you'll have me will be left with me. But God, you can't remove that place of security from my life. Please don't do that. Or don't remove that place of identity from me. God, don't remove that place of comfort from me. God, please don't remove that place of, of control from me. What will I do then? Who will I be? And Jesus' reply is simply this. I'm taking those things away so you can experience more of who I am. I'm taking those things away from you so you can experience more of me. I'm taking away the lesser things so you can have the greater. That's what pruning does. And Jesus is saying to all of us, watch what happens when I'm your source. Watch what happens when you don't lean on those things anymore. And yet that state of existing in Jesus, it's so not natural to us, right? It's so not our default It's so not how we roll. And so we end up always growing the wrong way and producing really anemic fruit. And God says, I made you for more than that. I made you for way more than that. So would you allow me to prune your life? Would you allow me to do that in your life? But here's the good news. If we would abide in the vine, As painful as pruning is, but if we would abide in the vine, we will never face that pruning alone. We will never face that hardship alone. That's the promise. If we can trust God as the master gardener, we can actually begin to bear the fruit of our pain. The fruit of our hardship and i don't know about you if, if i must endure pain and guess what everybody endures pain how many of you know that in life you're going to experience some pain raise your hand okay if not your pain is you're lying right now <laughs> but then, we're all we're agreed right we're all going to experience pain we all are so if i know that i'm going to experience pain no matter what in life you know what i want i want to experience the fruit from that pain I want to get the fruit out of that pain. I don't just want the pain. Let me get the fruit. If I've got to face it anyway, let me get the fruit from that pain. But here's the problem. Too often in my pain, here's what I do. I disconnect from the vine. I just cut myself off from the vine. So not only am I still in pain, because that's not going to change, I'm separated from the one who wants to bring fruit from my pain. From the one who can bring purpose to my pain maybe you've watched a person in their yard and they go up to their rose bush at a certain time of year and they just cut the thing off just at the base it's just like six inches just like a little stump there's just nothing left and you're like why in the world would they do that and then the, the spring comes and you see this giant rose bush emerge and there's more blooms on it than ever before and you realize that's why they did it and some of you right now feel like that's your life like I've been cut off to the ground I'm just a stump of a life and Jesus is saying would you trust me that out of this I can bring greater fruit that the master gardener sees you not just for who you are today but for who he's making you tomorrow God is shaping you today for that day so would you let him would you let him Maybe, maybe it's different for you. Maybe you're just in this great season of life and there's lots of fruit in your life. It's just going smooth. And, and guess what? God is so good, he'll still prune you to bear even more fruit. Even in your best day, God's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do some pruning. When you're like, no, you know, th- th- there, there's never gonna be this time in life where we're like, you know, God, I'm pretty much a complete work. <laughs> you know, you can move on to someone else. I'm pretty much finished. This is pretty good. And right there, God grabs the pruning shears. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Let's talk about that attitude for a moment, shall we? (laughs) Deal with that arrogance? Could we clip that out, perhaps? (laughs) To be spiritually empowered is to trust God to be with us amidst our hardship and in time to bear the fruit that can only emerge from that hardship. Because a spiritually empowered community bears the fruit. Of hardship. That's the first thing. Here's the second. A spiritually empowered community bears the fruit of dedication. Let's continue the passage. Big voices go. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if you do not remain in me you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn the greek word there in that passage for remain is the word minot it means to stay to persist. It's actually what I have tattooed on my arm. If you've ever seen this on my arm, it looks like a vine and within that vine is the word manō. It means to stay and to remain. And it serves to me both as a declaration and a reminder. Because I see from this passage how vital abiding is, and I also see how easily I can slip away. Yet, right here, we're called to persist. To remain. To actively stay close to Jesus. Yet, yet still, I can find myself. I don't know about you, but I can find myself. I still leave Jesus behind. I, I, I still try to do it my own way. Which means we must ask this question. When push comes to shove, and the pressure's on in our life, do we seek to remain with Christ, or do we simply want Christ to remain with us? Because... When we do it that way, Jesus is not really the Lord of my life. In fact, when I approach it that way, I'm the Lord of Jesus' life. I'm just saying, Jesus, you just come along and do what I want you to do. That's what I'm asking. Here's how I, I like to illustrate that, okay? Here's how I love to illustrate that point. Think of your life like a car, okay? And you're driving your car. Your car is your life. This is you in this cute little car. You've got sunglasses on. You're cruising along in life, okay? You kind of make the car noises, and you run into Jesus. I mean, don't run into Jesus, but you encounter Jesus in your life. Hopefully, you don't run into Jesus. Don't do that. Okay, so you encounter Jesus, right? And and you start talking to Jesus. I'll turn his little head so he can talk to Jesus. Okay, I'm talking to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, how's it going? They're talking, they're talking, talking to Jesus, and they're like, "Wow, Jesus, you're really great. I really want you in my life. I really want you in my car. Hop in, Jesus." So Jesus hops in great this is so good it's me and you jesus i'm a christian we're, we're we're together you're in my car so you start to cruise along in life and you're cruising along and jesus starts to say stuff he's like hey if you could turn left up here there's some people um that i really think you'd be able to help and if we turn left up here we can go and help them and you're like jesus i got a schedule to maintain i can't be stopping at every place doing that kind of stuff would you just just be a passenger just hang out okay she's like okay fine few more blocks goes by, Jesus is like, oh, oh, if, if you go this route, you'll actually avoid some accidents there, there'll be a lot safer if you go this route instead of your normal route. You're like, Jesus, I always go this way, this is how I drive, I'm pre-programmed to go this way. Jesus, you're, you're getting very annoying, could you just actually get in the back seat? And Jesus does, because Jesus is cool like that, so okay, I'll be in the back seat then you're driving along you're driving along and jesus goes oh oh oh! i just remembered oh i just remember these friends of ours that would be so encouraging to you if you just stop and and you can encourage them they could encourage you if you could just stop for just a moment we'll, we'll do that you're like jesus i i've got a schedule i've got things on my path to do jesus is really you're the worst backseat driver ever this is not working out jesus could you please get in the trunk now it's never good when you have someone in the trunk of your car <laughs> Never good (laughs) It's really bad when Jesus is in the trunk of your car But I would say this I think for a lot of people who call themselves Christians This is what their relationship with Jesus looks like Oh yeah Jesus I want you in my car I mean man of course who doesn't want Jesus in your car I just don't want to have to listen to what you're saying I just don't want to have to hear your directions in my life. I want to drive, but I want you in the car. But I don't want to hear this constant, oh, go this way, go that way. No, that, that sounds like someone kind of controlling me in charge of my life. I don't want that. So, Jesus, can you just be in the trunk? I think if we're honest, that's how a lot of us relate to Jesus. But when I read the Bible, and I see about followership and when Jesus says, follow me and what lordship looks like, lordship actually looks like this. I move over and Jesus drives. That's lordship. I don't know any other way to describe it. That's the steering wheel of my life. No, God, you're not my co-pilot. You're my pilot. And I get to ride along just like an Uber ride. Just, hey, this is great. I'm just looking at scenery. This is great. You're doing the driving. You've got to figure it out. You tell us where to go, Jesus. I'm just along for the ride with you. That's lordship, friends. And that's the thing Jesus is calling us to and Is the thing we don't often do. This is what Jesus wants for us. See, let me, let me tell you what's difficult. The hardest task of discipleship is not the work required for us to do. No, the hardest task of discipleship is the work required for us to remain. To just stay with Jesus, to persist, to be with Jesus, to join Jesus in what Jesus is doing instead of saying, Jesus, can you join me in what I'm doing? The problem is we all have this tendency to go our own way, don't we? As the book of Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's saying that it was my unwillingness to remain close to Jesus that ultimately placed Jesus on the cross. So the work of the Christ follower does not begin with go and do. No, the work of the Christ follower begins with stay and abide. You drive, Jesus. That ultimately, we say to Jesus, I refuse to live life as though you're in the trunk of my car. I want you in control of my life. I want you to be the Lord. Because a spiritually empowered community bears the fruit of dedication. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. A spiritually empowered community bears the fruit of connection. Let's finish out the passage. Big voices, go. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the promise is this, that as we trust Jesus to produce the fruit of hardship and the fruit of dedication, that Jesus will invite us to produce the most powerful fruit of all, the fruit of connection to God. That we would know Jesus as a friend, someone that, close to us close enough get this this is how close we be to jesus close enough that when we pray we automatically pray for what jesus already wants to happen that's how close we are to jesus that we automatically pray for what jesus wants to happen as it said apart from jesus we can do nothing but this also means that in jesus there is nothing we can't do nothing's impossible Jesus is telling us that if you remain in me, whatever you wish will be done. Because your wish will come out of your connection with me. That is some promise. That sounds like a fruitful life. This is what being with Jesus makes possible. Our job is to abide in God. God's job is to produce fruit in us. That's how it works. But too often, we think that bearing the fruit is our job. We think it's up to me to bear the fruit. God, I love you, and so I better start working for you, and I better start bearing some fruit. So we just get to work. God, I'm bearing fruit. Apple, you know. Apricot. Watermelon, you know. Just stay with that image for a while. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. (laughs) making fruit is not our job connection to the fruitful one is you see the difference making fruit is not my job connection to the fruitful one is and when that happens the result is this god gets the glory because who's getting the glory is a really good indicator of where that fruit's coming from Because guess what, in my life, all of us, we have a a few things we can do well, we have a few gifts, and it's fine, we can do those things, and that's for our glory, and people can give us glory for that, no big deal. But, if God makes something truly great from this imperfect tree, something that you look at and go, there's no way you did that, that's when God gets the glory, isn't it? That's when we go, oh, yes, God's really good because, man, he used you to do that. Yikes, that's amazing, right? It's obvious that we didn't do it. And it's another reminder of how great God is. That's the fruit we want. And that becomes possible when we simply choose to be with Jesus because a spiritually empowered community bears the fruit of connection. I'll wrap up with this. It's a great story in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are getting grilled by the intimidating religious leaders around at that time, and they keep responding to those religious leaders with the simple truth of who Jesus is. Their, Their answers are very, very simple. And we're told that the religious leaders had this response to them. It says, "...when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that those men had been with Jesus." That's what they noticed. They'd been with Jesus. Ordinary men, ordinary people, they astonished them simply because they'd been with Jesus. Not by what they were doing for Jesus, not by the expression of the gifts that Jesus had given them to use. No, they were simply with Jesus. And that astonished them. Allow me to make this observation. All of us in this room, all of you, are talented, and you're gifted, and you look great, and you got your church clothes on, and you got your fall hairdos going, way to go, nice job. All of that is true. But we also know that ultimately all of us are just ordinary people, just common humanity. And so here's the truth. Ordinary people live extraordinary lives when they live their lives with Jesus. You want an extraordinary life? Live your life with Jesus. So the question for us is will we live that way? Will we bear the fruit of hardship and and the fruit of dedication and the fruit of connection knowing that whatever you're facing today <laughs> Jesus is enough. Whatever that mountain you're in front of, Jesus is still enough. This is what it looks like, friends, to live as a spiritually empowered people. Because I can't move the mountain, but Jesus can. Jesus can. Jesus promises that all who draw close to him will bear much fruit. It was true of those first disciples. Could it be true of me and you? Let's pray together. Just very quickly, I want us to respond in this way. I think Jesus would be asking us. If you're in this place, we say, I, I want to live that connected life to Jesus. I want to abide in the vine in a greater way. And maybe you feel like you've been disconnected or you're not as connected as you would like to be. But you're saying, I want to abide in a greater way and I want to experience the greater fruit that Jesus is offering. The fruit of hardship, the fruit of connection, all those things. If that's you in this place, I just invite you to raise your hand. Yes, I want to bite in the vine. I want to grow in that. I want to take steps closer to Jesus. I want to be with Jesus and astonish people because of that. Yeah, Hands all over this place. So, Jesus, this is our heart's cry for many in this room that we're just saying, Jesus, we need you. And so we want you to be behind the driver's seat. Of our We don't want to just use you in our trunk. We we want you to be the one that guides and directs. We want to abide with you. Help us to learn to do that. And we know that as we grow in that today, that because we're abiding with you, we can't help but bear much fruit. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song in response to what Jesus is doing. Let's sing it together.